You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on all things Major League Soccer, CONCACAF Champions League, North Americans Abroad, and everything in between. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it, and we are very excited to get into an episode talking about actual MLS games that happened over the weekend. It was a long offseason, but we made it through, and now we get to talk about some games. We get to preview some games, so we're very excited to be here. But before we get into the wonderful world of soccer, it has been... About a week since we have talked last, school is almost done, exams, projects. Connor's giving me a weird look, so you're going to go up first today, Connor. How's school going for you? You almost done, almost wrapping up, or how's it going for you? Well, we did talk about uh, half an hour ago, an hour ago, so that was a complete lie that we haven't talked for a week because uh, earlier today we interviewed an actual MLS player. Uh, I know, somebody took the time to actually come on our show. Uh, specifically, that is FC Dallas defend- central defender Nkasi Tufara. Uh, she, she, he is an absolute legend for one. Um, had a ton of fun with him. That episode should be out. Uh, the interview, we spent like 40 minutes talking to him. Uh, and <laughs> just a great guy, really insightful uh, around the BPC and everything surrounding Black Players for Change, the Black Players Coalition. Um and yeah, really fun time with that. And uh, I highly, highly recommend if you haven't to go listen to that because he was genuinely phenomenal. But uh, in terms of my last week, been good. Finally finished actual classes. Uh, I got an exam tomorrow, uh, so I'll have to do that. And then I got an exam next week, which I have to do, still have to watch three lectures for and do the readings, which is about... Uh, I want to say like 150 to 200 pages worth of reading. So I'm not looking forward to reading that about the history of pop music, but you got to do what you got to do. Um, yes, it's an elective as you give me a weird look, Josh, uh, open elect, uh, op- some type of elective that I need to take and it hasn't been a terrible course, but you know, it is what it is weather wise, because we always bring up weather for some reason. That's just one of our things. For, I don't know why. Uh, it snowed in Toronto last night, so woke up to snow this morning, uh, which, you know, that's weird. Uh, although every year we tend to get snow at some point in April or May, uh, just randomly out of nowhere, uh, for like a day and then it melts and it's gone. Like, I think it's supposed to be like 16 Celsius by Friday. So you know, fun weather stuff, but I'll stop rambling on and instead open up the floor to you gentlemen. Uh, specifically, we'll start with Josh to keep continuity just always there because our episodes are quite repetitive. But Josh, how are you doing? Dang, man, you're doing a great job of selling this podcast. Whoever's, uh, <laughs> whoever's listening to this. Um, it's yeah, not no, that I'm, bad. We're not that repetitive. No, it's, it's, it's taken a while, but I, th- I feel like we're enjoyable to listen to. At least I hope that's what whoever's listening to this, uh, that's how they feel. Um, it's funny you mentioned snow because the thought of snow being in April and May is, is kind of mind blowing for Georgia. 
However, there was one year, it's like over 10 years ago at this point, but April Fool's Day, it snowed. And I remember everyone was talking about, hey, it's going to snow, it's going to snow. And everybody's like, ah, this is a joke. But no, it, it dropped a couple inches. But like you said, it melted really fast because it's April. Um, but yeah, another another standard week for me, music, soccer. My ears kind of perked up when you mentioned that history of pop music class. Sounds like a fun class, honestly, <laughs> to me, someone who is uh, is pretty well versed in music. But yeah. Uh, Want to do my exam for me? You know, I don't know about that, although I would be intrigued to know, like, maybe some of the questions. I, I don't know if, like, ne- I would necessarily know anything because we hardly ever touched pop music in, in my degree track. But, yeah, you know, we we mentioned on the interview with Nkosi, but the Super League has just been such a huge thing. Like, I, you know, in my Twitter timeline, all the sports people I follow – it's majority soccer, of course, but there's some football and basketball in there, and it got everybody talking. And I'm, I mean, it's just it was such a mainstream topic. I mean, it still is at this point. Um, so it's been really entertaining. Yesterday, Tuesday, uh, was extremely stressful between the Super League and you know here in the U.S. Obviously, the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, so it was it was quite the day, quite the day. It's been a busy week so far, but um, but yeah, just. Hanging in there, living life. Drew, how are you doing? You must be feeling great with that New England Revolution kit on, huh? I am. It came in the mail today, and that was the cap off a pretty pretty good week. School is wrapping up. I have a presentation tomorrow about gender inequity in international soccer. So that should be fun. Excited about that. It's going to be like a five minute, so I'm not stressing about too much about it. So that was a lot of fun. I get to do that. And then after that, I'm almost, I'm about done. I think my last real class is May 12th. So we're almost there. But I have a really big break in between presenting this project, presenting the next one on the 12th. So for like two weeks, I'm not going to be doing anything except watching MLS, playing Madden, and just hanging out. It's awesome. I'm so excited about it. Um, Super League was a fun thing. I don't know if it really hit me that the... At the time, it looked like soccer as we knew it was just going to fall apart. Like, it didn't hit me how wild that would have been if it actually went through. But it didn't go through. It looks like teams are dropping out. I think Rael and Juve are, like, the only two that are still in there. And what the heck knows? Rael is just a weird mess right now. Juve, what the heck? We don't know what's going on. But that's over. And that, like you said, that was a big deal. I got to watch football, American football, on Saturday as I was watching MLS, I was in a press box watching a spring game and watching Atlanta Orlando. That was a lot of fun. But yes, it's been a cool week. Um, I don't have any weather takes about Georgia. I can't bring up the weather. Pollen's not <laughs> kicking my butt like it did the last time we talked or a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure. But it's calmed down and my nose is very grateful for it. But besides weather, besides school, besides the Super League, we had some North Americans abroad action. We had a lot of players scoring goals so we will get right on with that we had daryl dk scoring a wonder goal i'm not gonna pause and ask for your thoughts on that <laughs> daryl dk scored a wonder goal and a one nil win over huddersfield he was i think it was the 65th minute it was awesome don't let these clowns tell you otherwise giorena scored against vander bremen on saturday don't know the inners of 4-1 i think was the final score of that one Dortmund smacked him i think it was a four moment for Dortmund. 
Um, Brendan Aronson scored on win today in a three to two loss. Um, so Wednesday, good to see him because we're recording on a Wednesday for anybody listening. Yes, he scored today on Wednesday in a three to two loss. So shout out Brendan for scoring. Unfortunately, they lost. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that team name. So moving on, uh, Taylor Booth scored for St. Poulton on That's Saturday. Not that bad. Yeah, it's just Swarovski Tiro. That's you who he scored heard against. Swarovski mm. crystals. You're just proving my point that I'm not going to try and pronounce that. <laughs> okay. Well, I was thinking about what they made in my head as I was saying Swarovski, which I think is Swarovski, but you know, points still. What did they make? Now I have to know what they make. Crystals. Oh, you talking like the small cheeseburgers you get like 10 for 15 bucks or something like that? Those crystals? You are very American. You are very American. Yes, I am. I love Crystal. My last time <laughs> I went to Crystal was coming back from an FC Cincinnati game. I ate 13 of them because it was all you could eat for five bucks. crap. Bro. 13. No, because... Hey, you got your money's um, worth. Yeah, we were trying to beat these guys who ate 20 the table across from us and it was me and my friend and we said okay one of us is going to eat 11 the other one will eat 10 it's fine and at eight he chickened out i said i'm not gonna let these guys beat us i have to eat 13 crystals so he's just sitting there watching me like pound crystals i'm like oh but that wasn't an outline this no this is the most uh stupidly man thing that you've ever said <laughs> like it was awesome it was after an fc cincinnati game where i saw wayne rooney score a goal against cincinnati in that new not was that it the, was the old stadium was your the, yeah. was your brother the one who chickened out no no okay. it was my friend jake if jake listens to the podcast he chickened out <laughs> maybe he listens to the podcast but yes crystals that's what they made that's who we scored against uh taylor booth scored for st Poulton on saturday jordan Sibachu won the Swiss title with Young Boys. Sibachu, Sibachu. Oh my goodness, man! We'll get there one of these days. We'll Bingo. Get yeah, which Bingo. we still haven't released because I'm still working on it. <laughs> Jordan Sibachu wins the Swiss title with Young Boys. Uh, Henry Wingo wins the Hungarian league with Fair and Varos. Got that one right, boys. No, Fair you missed, no, you didn't. You missed the S. You missed Fair and Varos. It's just like oh, I was so yeah, all close. these these like V's and S's, man. They just ah, they trip us up. Yeah. They trip us North American. You see, North if Americans you guys up. paid attention to hockey, it would make sense to you. I, if I, the well, NHL didn't take our team away, we would. There you go. Well, they took it away for good reason. Uh, oh, I'm that. not gonna. We're not gonna talk about this right now. <laughs> I have thoughts on that. The NHL not gonna talk about that. Um, but Josh, out of this list of North Americans, which one sticks out to you the most? Man, it's got to be Daryl DK. Like, I don't want to be lame and pick him, but he's just... This is otherworldly, right? I mean, like, this is... Uh, I think it's nine goals in 16 games now. This is insane. And the fact that Barnsley won again today, and it was just because of his goal that they won. You know, the goal itself wasn't, like, earth-shattering or anything. It was impressive because he's well over six feet tall, and for him to you know, score an overhead kick like that is, is impressive in its own way. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to say he's single-handedly, you know, helping Barnsley get into the promotion playoff and, and possibly promoted in the Premier League next year. But boy, he is, he sure is helping out a lot. So it's just crazy. It's, it's almost to the point now where if you find out he's playing, you expect to see that tweet, right? You expect to see the DK scores, uh, so that is such a cool thing. And 
I, I sent the the clip of the goal uh, to a friend of mine, and <laughs> he he just goes back. Is he the future? <laughs> And I don't know. I mean, this is just a small chunk of time right now. It's only been a couple months that he's been over in England, but I don't see why not at this point. He just continues to amaze. Uh, Connor, what is the biggest takeaway from from this uh, weekly North Americans abroad? Uh, well, I feel like we're all going to go with the same one in Daryl DK. So I'll s- dive off a little bit and say one sentence about this guy because uh, Henry Wingo winning the Hungarian League with Ferenc Varos, uh, because I've never heard of that person before, but shout out him for winning the Hungarian League. Fun fact, so Henry Wingo is from Seattle. He's a, a homegrown from Seattle that got sent overseas. He has now won three titles in three consecutive seasons that he's played. He won with Seattle, MLS Cup, left, and then won with Mold in, I think that's Sweden, and then has now won with Ferenc Varos in Hungary. So kind of crazy that you're right. He flies under the radar because he's not playing for these huge teams, and you know he's been out of the league for a couple years. But three titles in three seasons—that's crazy. Yeah, Drew. What is your North American abroad this week? I think I'm going to go with Gio Reyna. I think we haven't talked about him scoring a whole lot and Dortmund. They're on my good side because they were in the Super League nonsense. So I was really liking Dortmund this past week. And to see him score was good. Uh, they won 4-1. to So yeah, I'm a big Gio Arena. Every now and then we mentioned him scoring a goal and we got to see him do it again. I have not seen the goal. I don't know if it was a banger or what. But always good to see him scoring and Dortmund. I like Dortmund. I think Dortmund's my favorite German team. But they got a solid win. So I'm going to go with Gio Arena scoring uh, again then that 4-1 to win. Um... So outside of our North Americans making some noise, scoring some goals, we still had some Major League Soccer transfers and signings. Yes, the season has started. No, silly season has not ended. There is some overlap here, and we had some transfers going on with Major League Soccer. We're going to start with the New York Red Bulls. Celtic interim manager confirmed that Polish youth striker Patrick Klamala is joining the Red Bulls. And then the biggest one in the New York Red Bulls, Frankie Amaya, officially with New York. Um, there was some drama there between the New York Red Bulls, FC Cincinnati, some tampering nonsense we talked about a little bit, but it's official. He's going to be with the New York Red Bulls. Um, there is a million and seventy-five thousand dollars in GAM spread across two seasons, and there is an extra one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in incentives. So I guess, guys, unless you know a lot about Patrick Klamala. what are we thinking about Frankie Amaya? I think there was some drama there with Cincinnati, given they were so bad. But he's finally in New York. What do we think about it? Are we excited about it? Happy it's over? Well, uh, I know I actually know a lot about Patrick Kalamala in that his name is Patrick Kalamala, and that's it. Um, <laughs> Josh. Thank, thank you for that insight, Connor. Just ground, <laughs> groundbreaking stuff. Look, Listen to MLS Multiplex Podcast for all amazing insight. Only from us. You can't get it anywhere else. <laughs> okay, you ask any normal soccer fan if they know anything about this guy there are no normal soccer fans that's in not the, the point States. that's We're not all the point of us mentioning it we, we mention it because this is a pattern for red bulls this year the fact that they keep snatching up all these youth internationals from all over the place and like that's that's obviously important for them and for this season 
It definitely is because depth is key. As I've said countless times on this podcast, bingo. Uh, it's as Drew takes a shot with his unproperly held beer bottle, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, if you want a little bit of backstory, uh, Drew is drinking something uh, earlier, and the way he was holding the bottle was very, very, very incorrect in that he was holding it by the neck of the bottle as opposed to the normal way to hold any sort of bottle ever, which is by the base. So uh, we'll quickly move on from that. But instead, let's dive into Frankie Amaya. And look, anytime you can bring in a player who's got the quality of Amaya, who's very young, who has a lot of promise, I think you do it. Like, yes, it's a... Very, very hefty sum that they paid in a million, one million seven hundred and fifty, seventy five thousand, not seven hundred and fifty. Cincinnati wishes they got a hundred one point seven five million. Uh, instead, they got one point zero seven five million uh, in GAM over two seasons, apparently. So, you know, I've, as I've said, I keep bringing it up. Depth is key. Depth is huge. Um, so. I like the move for the Red Bull. I think Cincinnati, it just wasn't going to work with Amaya anymore. Um, it was time to move on, and they got quite a lot for him, uh, all things considered. So I wouldn't be too disappointed as a Cincinnati fan, and as a Red Bull fan, I'd be excited. So uh, that's my big takeaway. Drew, what do you think about the two Red Bull signings before Josh probably goes in a lot uh, goes a lot more in depth because he tends to know a lot more about these type of players. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, like he said, is that the Red Bulls are just going on this movement to be very young. And we're already seeing some of the fruition of that with Caden Clark scoring a banger this week. And I think there's a lot of talk about him being the next Brendan Aronson and heading off to Europe. So, yeah, I think it's just continuing what the Red Bulls have got going for him. They have that new coach, a new system, just a new everything. And these young players are going to grow up with this coach. They're going to grow up together. And Frankie Amaya is obviously a big part of that, we think. Uh, Patrick Kamala might be another big part of it. Again, striker, maybe him and Kane Clark can pair up together with Frankie Amaya. And there's a lot of really interesting pieces, and they're interesting because we don't know a whole lot about these guys. And we're going to just have to wait and see and see what happens and see what the crapshoot results in this first season. Because I think it's going to be a crapshoot with a bunch of young players playing with each other and with a coach for the first time. And this is just adding on to it. So maybe in a couple of years, the Red Bulls will be sending players off to Europe, winning MLS Cups. Well, they won't end up win MLS Cup because they're New York Red Bulls, but they'll win the Shield, they'll choke in the playoffs. But they'll be a good team. So I'm excited about this. Young players, this is just adding on to it. Josh, what are you thinking about the Red Bulls bringing in Amaya and Klamala, another youth setup they got going on? I, you know, honestly, I don't have too much to add, and you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've got um, a lot of other things to to cover. But if I'm a personally, if I'm a Cincinnati fan, I'm pretty bummed out because Amaya was one of the bright spots of a totally terrible team in its first two seasons of its, of its existence. So, if I was a Cincinnati fan, you know, you've got brand new stadium opening up this year you've got a brand new team essentially and to lose what is essentially a core piece of the squad is you know I would kind of be uh I would kind of be bummed out um so that's probably all I've I've got to add to it yeah they definitely had a better week than Inter Miami who 
somehow managed to violate the MLS roster rules in their first season uh, and subsequently have now been forced to buy out Matias Pellegrini, their young, their DP, who isn't a young DP, uh, paid a lot of money for him. I think the sum was like $9 million for Pellegrini, uh, which <laughs> it did not go well uh, for Miami of the last week or so. Uh, he will still train with the first team, uh, but will likely transfer in the summer because they have to get roster compliant and there's no point in loaning him to like whatever team they loaned him to in USL two or USL one or wherever he ended up, uh, because he's too good for that level. But what do you guys think about the inner Miami drama surrounding transfers and all that fun stuff? I think it is just absurd. I just, it's so funny that David Beckham's club broke the Beckham rule. Uh, I just had to throw that in there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just absurd. And I am extremely interested in what sort of punishment Inter Miami ends up seeing. Don Garber has now multiple times, he said it in an interview during the Inter Miami game on Sunday, and the league itself has said that punishment is coming. So, the 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 breaking of the rule itself is you know it is what it is but i think everybody is a lot more curious to see is how are they going to enforce breaking those rules because this could set a precedent if it's really not that big of a fine or a penalty or whatever then you might see some other teams not really care um but you know i don't know i i kind of got the sense from don garber's interview on sunday that he was pretty upset by this, um, the, kind of his body language when they asked him this question about what punishment is coming. He didn't seem too thrilled to have to answer that question. So I'm, I'm definitely going to have my eyes peeled for that. Yeah, I think it was, I was listening to a podcast, it might have been allocation disorder, and they were talking about how when you handle this punishment with Miami, it can't just be something where it's only a money thing right because if you have some of these owners let's say arthur blank for example if arthur blank sees mls fine miami however much they find them someone with the wallet of arthur blank and these other really ambitious owners can say well if i have a fourth dp i bend the rules a little bit and i'll just pay the fine win mls cup and then pay the fine after they're gonna do it right so there has to be some kind of competitive punishment to this whether it's how do you even punish Miami because it's not like they're winning trophies or anything they're just a crap shoot on the field too it's awesome po- so, points deduction could be possible I don't I feel like into the season heavy point thing. deduction I mean if you're on the playoff line and the MLS says hey deduct five points I mean because you can't just make it a money thing because the owners are just going to account that into their budget going to say if I spend a lot of money on a fourth DP run the show then I pay the fine. Arthur Blank owns the Atlanta Falcons. MLS fines are nothing to this guy. And it's the same way for a lot of these owners. So I think you have to deduct points. It won't just be a money thing, but the money thing will be a major part of it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see this go... I'm pulling this number completely out of thin air, thin air but like seven, eight figures sort of fine that, again, that then gets distributed to each team because it technically negatively affected every team in MLS. Um, So, look, they're going to have to deal with what comes for them because (laughs) it's not going to be pretty. Um, 
unless MLS completely goes back on their word and do absolutely nothing because they have a tendency to do that in the past in terms of everything. Uh, so we'll see how that ends up, where that goes, but we should touch on uh, a move that I didn't even see, but apparently it's a thing in Atlanta United loaning uh, Matias. Yes, Matias Rossetto. Uh, Matias Rossetto. It's, you don't really say the R because he's Brazilian. Ah, okay. Matias Rossetto. Uh, it's like, it's like uh, an H sound. Rossetto. Rossetto. What is it with like Spanish and Portuguese always having the H huh sound to them? Oh, yeah. Eh, it's interesting. It makes it changes things up. So we should just expect it at this point. Uh, but they got temporarily temporarily loaned to Atlanta United two uh, while he's completing his green card process. Uh, also, apologies if I stumble or misspeak. This is now my third recording of the day, and I'm going on over three hours of talking time. So uh, I'm a little tired. <laughs> my talking is uh, getting a little messy. So there's that. But. Drew, Josh, you two are the Atlanta United boys. What did you think about the uh, Mateus Russetto, Russetto loan? How big a deal do you think this will be for uh, Atlanta United in the long run? Uh, I just want to know, Drew, did you end up seeing this news by any chance? You were probably I did busy. Not, okay, no. yeah, honestly, so it was Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic who broke this news, um, and he did it like an hour before the Atlanta match on Saturday. So this was like in the midst of a bunch of games. Like this is midday Saturday. Drew obviously was, uh, was busy with American football. So, you know, I don't fault you for not seeing it. It was very under the radar. Um, but this is like, this isn't really surprising. I think, um, we've mentioned in the past that Rosetta is not really, he hasn't really been training with the team. He's not even in the country right now. He's in Brazil, like trying to handle this issue. Um, and I, I'm curious because I wonder if the team told him like you you need to get this green card situation figured out or we're going to transfer you because he didn't have a great season last year. Not that a lot of new players did, to be fair, across any of the teams, let alone Atlanta, who was just crap. So I'm wondering if they told him, you know, like because of roster space, like you somehow need to figure out how to get a green card, you know, going back to Brazil and figuring that out or we're going to move you. And so, you know, this might just speak to how badly he wants this to work with Atlanta so just something to keep an eye on going forward probably you know I don't like I said he didn't look good last year I don't really know how Heinze would use him and I you know I'm not sure anybody really knows since he hasn't been able to train with the team since he's been out of the country so um, that's really all that is but we're gonna take a real quick take an ad break and uh, then we'll be back with uh, some MLS uh, recap action from the weekend Awesome. Yeah. So now, like we said earlier in the episode, we had some real life Major League Soccer action. Every team was in action on this wonderful wild and it was freaking wild opening weekend. Some games more wild than others. But we're going to start off with the opener, the game that brought MLS's 26th season to start. Houston, San Jose, Houston won that game two to one. I'm not sure if we predicted these games or not. I don't know what the prediction thing was. I think I said San Jose was going to win, 
but who the heck knows. But we're going to dive right into it. Houston 2, San Jose 1. We have a lot of games to get to. So we're going to run through this rapid-fire action, starting off with the first one. About this game, I don't think either of any of us had either of these teams very high. I think Josh had San Jose the highest out of all of us. I think he had him making the playoffs. Or not making the playoffs, I don't know. I'll but about this, about this, Josh, we'll start with you. With this game, is is Houston better than people think they are? Or is San Jose just that bad? Because I know for a fact we had Houston as one of the last two. Is them and RSL were flip-flopped. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not expecting Houston to win this game. I think in the um, in our MLS Multiplex uh, Slack for the whole website, right, we were we kind of had our own predictions for opening night. Connor, what's that look for? It's because I didn't have them in the playoffs, right? No, you had them at fifth. Oh, San Jose? Yes. Yeah, sweet. You're right, out I'm of your ba- mind. I'm not backing down from that. So so this is a great You really uh, great should moment. be. Yikes. This is, this is a great moment we, to bring Last up. week was roasting the standings. You missed your chance. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, so, like, I, I do think Houston are going to be better this year, probably. Um, I mean, they looked good. But the real thing here is, like, this is not new for San Jose to struggle right out of the gate. This is how it's been under Almeida his first two seasons. They just kind of suck at the beginning, and then they sort of figure things out. Um you know, down the road. So I, I still think that, you know, San Jose is going to get better because, and you look at their year over year progression, right? They didn't make the playoffs under Almeida the first season. Then they did make the playoffs last year. I think that that's why I've got them fifth. I think they'll take like a little step further and finish a little higher in the standings. But, but yeah, you know, I, I read, um, I think it was Matthew Doyle at MLSsoccer.com. He put out an article um, with a lot of uh, some, some statistics behind it. Um, and just about how, and he had some great analysis of a few moments to where San Jose uh, just looked really, really unorganized. So I think it's just going to take them some time to to get going. That's really all it is. So I am not convinced yet that San Jose is that bad. That's that's going to be my final stance after one weekend. Do either of you have, I, I don't think either of you got to see this game, but do you guys have any, yeah, wow, very unison head I'm excited to see San Jose be a crapshoot again. I'm really excited about that. Hey, you know what? They might be bad, but they are always entertaining. You, you, you will have never to not them. be entertained. Exactly. What about you, Connor? You got any thoughts on that game? Uh, yeah, MLS chose a belter of a game to restart their season with between Seattle, or San Jose and Houston. Real two great teams to start <laughs> no. the season. It was the lead-up to, because that wasn't on national TV. That was only on ESPN+. Plus. It was the, if you're an MLS psychopath like we are and so many of us are, lovely MLS psychopaths, that was the game you watch. Most normal people watch Seattle, Minnesota, which was a wonderful first game on national TV. Now, to be fair about the San Jose game, right? It it did feature it did feature a banger of a goal from Paul Marie with San Jose. It was the fourth best goal of the weekend. And that's saying something because there were tons of bangers this weekend, which we will get into later, but I do feel kind of bad for him for that because he had a great goal and it was the you know, one of the first goals of the season and it's it's been it's going to have been lost in all the awesomeness. But speaking of that Friday night, like you guys just mentioned, Seattle Sounders, Minnesota United faced off in Seattle at Lumen Field. Uh, it was beat down. Seattle won 4 nothing. Did either of you catch the game? I did. I saw right. a soccer game. 
<laughs> I'll ask you this then, Connor. Was it wrong for everyone to doubt Seattle? This is this is our overreaction after the first game, well, right? Well, uh, only two of us doubted Seattle. The other well, one very much didn't. Now, I'm talking like in general. Like a lot of people are expecting Seattle to... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not uh, be very good? Yeah, there's a better word for that. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. They're expecting Seattle to drop a little bit because, you know... They don't have Jordan Morris. Nicolo Darrow didn't play in this game. They're coming out in a brand new formation. Smetzer's done nothing but do a 4-2-3-1 with them all the way up until now, and all of a sudden they're messing around with this 3-5-2. So after one game, Connor, was it wrong for everyone to doubt Seattle? Uh, well, everybody but me appeared to be doubting Seattle for some <laughs> reason. Uh, and I will continue to hold that over my head in this episode because I got so many of these teams right. Um, but... Uh, yes, everybody was wrong for doubting Seattle. How are you doubting the team that went to three MLS Cups in, what, four years? Like, come on. Really? Wake up, people. It's, they're one of the best teams in MLS, period. They, they have one they of the best. four and five. Four and five. Even better. Uh, I, I know. It's... I forgot about the one that Toronto FC wasn't involved in. Because for some reason, it's always Toronto, Seattle in the finals. But uh, I think people really need to start giving Seattle the credit they deserved and Brian Schmetzer the credit he deserves. Because as you mentioned, they're trying a new formation and it worked very well against Minnesota. Clearly, they made good player acquisitions and Zhao Paolo scoring a really, really nice goal. Uh, Freddie Montero, as I said on the last episode, I thought he'd be really good. He was really good when he came on as a substitute. So Seattle's a legit team. Uh, And whether or not this is a shot at Minnesota, who missed a few chances, hit a couple of posts, I think Seattle is legit one of the best teams in in the West. And People really shouldn't be sleeping on this team, and I think they proved it in this game. Do either of you have any thoughts on Seattle, Minnesota? Yeah, Drew, Drew's going crazy over there. Who the heck is doubting Seattle? They started the season ranked eighth in the power rankings. That's pretty yes, low for them. That's low. That's a top ten team. Yeah, but like it's Seattle though. Like like Connor just said, four that's of the last the five and lost cups. That's pretty low for yeah, them. Yeah, but like doubting Seattle, it's not like no one's picking them to make the playoffs. Like, I think I had him at third. I don't know what Josh had him at. I had him at, like, like doubting Seattle has, like, outside the top five in the league. That's doubting. They're, like, our... Okay, you're saying one of the top MLS clubs on the period, having them ranked third or fourth in the West is not doubting them. No, I don't think so. Because how many third-place teams go on to win MLS Cup? hold on a second. I think... All right, I'm going to take the hit on this. All right, I'm the one who posed this question. Was it wrong for everyone to doubt Seattle? We're getting caught up in semantics here. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay, what a maybe, podcast is for. I know, I know, I know. But like, this is this is quickly veering off the rails. I, I, That's I guess the point. To... <laughs> <laughs> Are you new to this? We've only done 54 episodes or whatever. We're 55 now. No, but, but, but we're not even arguing the team anymore. We're arguing about like what it means to doubt them. Like this is what I'm talking about. We're a little, we're a little too far away from it. I, I want, I got one more thing I want to throw in there, and I want to see if you guys agree with me. I thought Minnesota actually played really well. I thought they looked really good for stretches of the game. I think maybe it's a little bit of, of bad luck that 
I mean, I, shoot, Seattle's just that good, man. They carved up Minnesota a couple times on a couple of those goals. I mean, a couple things of beauty in there. So, but you know what? I thought Minnesota looked pretty good. I look if it were for a couple posts, Minnesota have a couple goals, and it, this result looks a lot better for them. I like, agree. I there's agree. nothing they could have done on the Jao Paulo goal. Period. Like it was like the uh, goal Club Lyon scored against Toronto FC in the first their first match. It was um, a Nagby goal right there. Mm-hmm. And the Freddie Montero ball to. Uh, I believe it was rolled on, uh, cutting it through the Minnesota backline. It was perfect. You couldn't do anything about that. And Rui Diaz then just had a tap in. So I don't think this is an indictment on Minnesota. I think it's just they got a little unlucky on a couple of shots. And Seattle were just Seattle. They were very, very good. And that's what you take away from this game. It, I don't think it proves anything that Minnesota are worse than we think or Seattle are vastly better than we think. Speaking of better than we think, after one weekend, after one result, Montreal, who beat Connor's beloved Toronto FC 4-2, to two, we all had uh, Montreal pretty low except Connor. Uh-huh, yeah. Who's, Connor, Connor was the only one who was who's expecting Who's currently the batting foot. 100 right now? Yeah. <laughs> he Do was you mean 1,000? Oh my gosh. A hundred is terribly wait, low. Wait, the the funniest part about that is the Hawks broadcasters did the same exact bit of a uh, last week. One of the Hawks broadcasters said, I'm batting a hundred. And then his partner was like, you mean you're batting a thousand? So this, that's really funny that that's happened again. Anyway, so, so Montreal took it to <laughs> Toronto, whooped them down in, that game was in Fort Lauderdale, right? Where, in, uh, where uh, Miami plays? Yes, it was at the Miami Stadium. that's where... Yeah, where Montreal's uh, playing their, quote, home games this year, uh, to start at least. So, And excuse me, why are we calling them Montreal? It's the foot. I did throw. They're I got a foot, foot in there. I had a foot in there. I think you might have missed it, but Connor's the only one right about the foot so far. So, Drew, is everyone too high on Toronto and too low on Montreal, or what's going on after this first game? I think I'm not buying the too high on Toronto side of it because I trust Toronto. They're like the Seattle of the East, right? They'll find a way. They'll figure it out. They are, are coming off playing Lyon in that Champions League game, and that's just, as I think of theme in this first week was these Champions League teams. I don't think any of them, I think Toronto might have been the only one to score a goal out of all the Champions League teams. So I'm not buying the too high on Toronto. I would be much quicker to buy the too low on Montreal thing. But again, it's the first week. Crap happens. But I'm, I didn't catch this game, so I imagine Connor's going to have a lot more to say about this. You're in an interesting well, boat, Connor, bet. because your prediction was Montreal be good, but your prediction is coming to fruition because they just smacked your beloved club. So you're in a fun spot. I'm excited to hear this. But I'm not buying the too high on Toronto thing. But I, again, after the first week, it I'm not getting too hyped about this Montreal side because it's the first week. Crap happens. Congestion happens. But I would be quicker to say we're too low on Montreal, but there's no way I think we're too high on Toronto. Josh, give us your thoughts before I talk about this game. I'm going to take uh, my so headphones I- off and just let them rant. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I watched uh, most of this game before the uh, Atlanta United game kicked off because it was in the middle of it. 
you know, I was impressed by Montreal. The fact that they put four past Toronto is impressive. I do think that the fact that Toronto came off CCL is, is a huge factor in that. Uh, and I don't know if we'll end up talking about it much because we're not really going to be talking about the CCL team's, um, their MLS action from this weekend, but Toronto was the only CCL team to score a goal this weekend. And, you know, I don't know if that's because Montreal kind of switched off a couple times. I mean, Richie Loray had a fantastic run. I mean, he did his usual awesome, awesome stuff. So not at all surprised that he scored. But yeah, you know, I think Toronto's tired and I can't blame them. They, they, it was clear that they worked really hard and poured their heart out into beating Leon, which is great. Um, but you can tell that this game kind of took a little bit of a backseat. So, yeah, you know, the rational part of me is like, yeah, we got to wait and see about these two teams. But the the little the little voice in me that's like overreacting about this is like, wow, Montreal really took it to Toronto. And I have already been, um, you know, I've already seen a couple people saying that we need to keep an eye on Wilfred Nancy and what he does with Montreal. He could end up being like a revelation for this club. So that could be very exciting. Toronto, give or Toronto, Connor, give it to us about Toronto. <laughs> Thank you for encapsulating myself as the prime speaker of over a million people, uh, because I think I do represent over a million people when I say <laughs> that I'm not worried about Toronto FC. Uh, you look at the squad that they're putting out there, they are missing like half of their starters. So the fact that they're losing to Montreal with half their starters coming off of probably two of the toughest games they'll play all season. Um, maybe the Cruisers old games will be harder. Maybe the, eh, realistically the entire champions league could get harder because they have the hardest route, but we'll get into that later. Um, I think it just encapsulates what I said last week. Toronto are a very good team who can score goals. And they did score goals. And Montreal are not a terrible team. Like they, people are really disrespecting their ability, and I think their midfield's going to be gruesome to play against this season. Uh, going up against Samuel Piet and Victor Wanyama for ninety minutes over and over and over again—that is not going to be fun. Uh, you know, you look at their fullbacks; they got good fullbacks, they got good attackers. I think we're really underestimating what Montreal is going to be able to do this season. And I think this proved that Montreal are legit. They beat one of the best teams in MLS. Uh, did they allow two goals? Yes. Are they a little weaker in the back line? Yes. But they also scored four. And scoring four is no small feat. So I think we need to understand that while, yes, Toronto lost and they did score two goals and were the only Champions League team to score a goal, Montreal still won this game, and that's going to help them in the long run. And to get two point or to get three points out from under one of the best teams in MLS for a club that was largely counted out at the start of the season is a huge, huge feat, and something that we can't really ignore uh, as just because it's impressive. And I don't have much else to say on top of that. I think you guys both thought I was just going to rant and say Toronto's terrible and blah 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 blah, blah. but. Like, I'm realistic. This is a team that's missing Alejandro Pozuelo, Jonathan Osorio, Chris Mavinga, Quinton Westbrook, Josie Altador, Ayo Akinola, Afuninachi Achara. Like, they are missing a lot of players. Erickson Gallardo, who had groin surgery, uh, which Quentin randomly Westbrook? came out. Quentin, I already said Quentin Westbrook, but yes, oh, Quentin okay. Westbrook. Um, yeah, listen to me. 
Listen. Sorry, the Hawks. The Hawks have my attention right now. Ah, uh, okay. Is Trey Young back? No. <sighs> anyway, moving on. Yes, we should move on because I'm going to keep going on and on and on about <laughs> Toronto FC and Montreal. So let's move on to LAFC pounding Austin by a score of two to nothing, which isn't a Whoa. pounding because everybody thought it would be a pounding, but it wasn't. Do you have an issue with that? Yeah, I don't think that, that was a confusing sentence. I don't think that describes how the game went at all. Okay. Oh, well, okay. So first, did we all watch this game? No. Okay, so Drew and I did. So I think. The first thing that has to be said about this, and it's kind of hilarious, Bob Bradley accidentally subbed off Carlos Vela in like the 20th minute of this game. What? Oh, you don't know about this? Okay. No. Okay, so, so I was watching this game as, um, with my friend as it was happening. <gasps> okay, I'm sorry. Bogdan Bogdanovich just hit a game-tying three-pointer with six seconds to go in the game from the corner. Like, beautiful... Knocked that thing down, and my game just froze. So that's probably a sign that I should stop watching. I can't um, <laughs> wait for your reaction for when. So, who are they playing? Whoever they're playing. They're playing the Knicks. Whenever the Knicks hit a game-winning layup with zero time left, it's going to be. They great. probably will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting. We we don't have Trey Young. He, you know, whatever. I, I we don't even talk about it. So so, Carlos Vela got injured. He um he kind of had a weird step. Uh, and it, it looked like it was going to be bad. He kind of um, limped off the field, and he made this motion to the bench. And it it wasn't him asking to be subbed out, but it kind of looked like it could have been. What he was doing is he was calling for the trainers to come over and look at him. And they were. And But unfortunately, this was on the far side of the pitch, so Bob Bradley like wasn't directly communicating with Villa. So they sent the training staff all the way around, Vela was being attended to, and while this was happening, Bob Bradley went ahead and subbed out Carlos Vela. He was fine. He ended up being fine after a couple minutes. He walks all the way back around. You can see Bob Bradley just like, I messed up. Like You could tell that he was probably really upset with himself for making that mistake. And then, just to top it all off, because FS1 is still doing this this year, it was time for his in-game interview. <laughs> Oh no! And, yeah, and so they asked him about it, and he's like, uh, "You know, I, I, he, he admitted it. He's like, I made a mistake here. He's like, I'm pretty sure I, I messed this up." So I appreciate Bob Bradley being super candid with with everybody watching, and obviously it ended up not mattering in the end. But Drew, I want to get your thoughts really on Austin. You know, we all know what LAFC is. The fact that they won two nothing without um, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, who uh, kind of tweaked his hamstring a couple hours before the game, wasn't able to play either. We know what LAFC is, but I, I want to know, Drew, what you thought about Austin FC and obviously their first game in MLS history. Yeah, I don't remember a too lot about specifics about the match. I just remember thinking Austin FC wasn't that bad looking. They lost two nothing, but if I remember correctly, that second goal came toward the end of the match. And I think Austin FC was just throwing a crapshoot at it, trying to get that equalizer, then LAFC came back at it. Um, so yeah, I mean, not a whole lot. I thought holding LAFC to one goal for the majority of the game was honestly better than I thought most people thought. Um, yeah, not really a whole lot, except I thought Austin FC looked a lot better than I thought they were going to look. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts because my, when I'm watching Austin FC, I want to zero in on Thomas Pochettino and I don't remember. I have a whole lot about him after that first game. Um, yeah, I mean, LAFC, like you said, missing a lot of players, but Austin hung in there really well. 
Again, it was 2-0, but it was 1-0 for a long period of time. I think Austin FC had some chances. I don't remember if any of them were spectacular or not. But, yeah, I thought Austin FC looked a lot better than I thought they were going to. Uh, Connor, I know you didn't watch the game, but if you were Austin FC going into your first game, I think it was in Los Angeles, if I remember correctly, on the road, first game, and you come out with a 2 nothing loss. Are you happy with that if you're Austin, or how do you feel about that in your first ever game against probably, if not the best team in the league? Well, you're always disappointed when you lose, I think is the bottom line, but I wouldn't be too disappointed leaving with a loss. Um, obviously, the Carlos Vela thing probably makes it look a little worse because what would he have done in a full 90 minutes against Austin? Um but you didn't get blown out of the water. It's always a good thing. You're playing one of the best teams in MLS. Uh, I don't know how much there is to take away from it, ultimately, because this is a team that was playing against an undermanned LAFC, and you know, playing against an undermanned team doesn't really give you the full picture of how you match up against them. So I don't think you can take that much away from the match if you're Austin or if you're LAFC. I am kind of on the the opposite of that. I think there's a lot to take away from this game for Austin. I was thoroughly impressed with the way they came out and just they were so cohesive as a team. They were not afraid of LAFC's high press. They played through the press consistently, and they just... They did not look like an expansion team to me. They looked like a very well-coached squad. So I am very excited for what Josh Wolf's team is going to do um, as the season progresses. Now, you know, there are going to be tons of bumps in the road for an expansion team. It's just how it is. And you could tell, like, by the end of this game, Austin was getting really tired. Um, and LAFC looked a little more fit. And that helped contribute to that late second goal. But... You know, yeah, you you can be a little bummed because you lost and Vela wasn't really playing. But at the same time, I think there are some really concrete takeaways from this game in that you have a clear identity, you executed it well for being an expansion team on the road in your first game ever, and in front of fans, mind you, the LAFC fans were out in full force. And they and yeah, it wasn't a full stadium, but they still sounded loud. They made themselves heard. So a lot of good positives for Austin. I am now extremely excited to see. Uh, what happens with them the rest of the season. I I really liked um, the style that they had. So we'll move on, though, to my favorite team of all time, the New England Revolution, who went went on the road and played the Chicago Fire at Soldier Field. It was a 2-2 draw. Um, I did catch this game. Chicago scored two very fast, very early goals, and uh, part of me was really excited about that because... You know, who knows? Maybe I'll end up being right about my uh, what is being considered so far a stupid hot take. <laughs> but New England ended up coming back and, and leveling it out, uh, being themselves. They're very, uh, very scrappy team, and they uh, capitalize on their opportunities when they get them, and that's what they did. So they came back and got the draw. Did either of you catch this game? I caught a little bit of it as we talked about last week, and now I have my beloved New England Revolution kit. I think I have to watch every game this team ever plays now, but I caught a little bit of it, and because that was going on at the same time as the next game we'll talk about, and I think at the same time the Red Bulls were playing Sporting Kansas City, 
and I pick the sporting Red Bulls game to watch. And until Caden Clark hit that banger, it was very boring to watch. So I didn't catch all of this game, but I agree with you, Josh, talking about when New England gets their chances. They're just so explosive when they get the ball. And that was just that game was a crapshoot. It was just bang, bang, bang. Next thing you know, it's tied 2-2. And there were some chances late on in the game, I think. Chicago had a couple of chances. I think Barrett missed a pretty wide-open chance. And then someone for the Reds hit the post. So it was a really fun game. But, Josh, after watching that game, I'm not sure where you had Chicago and New England in there. Who do you think is the better team? At the end of the year, after watching this game, who do you think is better, Chicago or New England? Or can you take away a lot from this game? Because it's the first game of the season on the road in Chicago. Are you kidding me? I'm ready to make playoff predictions right now. Where they finish. Run the episode back. Let's go. I'm I'm talking, like, (laughs) score predictions for every single— No. Um, (laughs) You know— it's hard to tell. I, I thought Chicago, they just looked so good in the first 20 minutes. I mean, they really, I mean, they were tearing New England apart, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I mentioned them last week as a team that I think is going to make a big jump this season because their underlying stats, right? Their expected goals last year was really high. Uh, they just, for whatever reason last year, they could never, they could never finish. And they loved giving up goals and just, Switching off mentally, and guess what happened in this game? They just conceded some stupid goals and switched off mentally. So, if I had to say who's the better team, I got to go with New England. They, you know, they've done it. They've made the playoffs now a couple years in a row, and you know, like we've said now, they, they take advantage of their opportunities. But Chicago, if they can figure out this whole like defensive late game, you know, BS, then they could be a really good team this year. They really could. I could see them. Um, making the playoffs maybe as a six or seven seed, you know, I could see them challenging some teams down the stretch, but that's a lot to figure out. That's a lot to figure out. So I'd say as of right now, the better team is, uh, is probably new England moving on now to Nashville, Cincinnati. Uh, this game was happening at the same time as the Chicago new England game, which like Drew said, was also happening at the same time as the sporting Kansas city, New York Red Bull game. And there was also the DC United NYCFC game. These four games were going on at the same time. The best part about this, by the way, is Chicago scored those early goals, right? They went up 2-0. Cincinnati started scoring a little early. And then it was just really boring. And then all of a sudden, in a span of like 10 minutes, there was about seven or eight goals across all four of these games. It was just complete and utter pandemonium. Did either of you catch this 2-2 draw between Nashville and Cincinnati? No. I caught some highlights. I call it the banger goal, which I think we'll talk about later. Well, Cincinnati uh, scored early and often. They got a goal from Lucho Acosta uh, in the first, I think it was like the first 15 minutes. And then Brenner ended up scoring. He took the penalty for them. And so they went up 2 nothing on Nashville. Um, so I guess my question to you guys is, Cincinnati's had so much roster turnover. And yes, it's only one game, but we're going to, you know, we're going to try to take away as much as possible. Do you think Cincinnati might have turned a corner? Because scoring has always been an issue for them. The fact that they got two goals in this game, I think, is kind of a big deal. What do you guys think about Cincinnati? Do we think they're for real? Do we think they can compete this year? Has scoring always been the issue, given the players that they have? I think everything has been the issue for Cincinnati. I was going to say. But Who? scoring is a part of that. So Score everything is a else huge has been an issue. issue. They got your not knowing Hattie. who their manager is. <laughs> who is it now? I'm just kidding. Yep, Tom. Uh, Some ball They brought him in to score. He didn't do crap. Yaya Kubo. They brought him in. He didn't do anything. Like, can you can you even name 
Can you even remember a time Cincinnati has scored a goal? I only remember one, and that's because it was on Atlanta and DeBoer's first game in charge. See, if you had a good team, you wouldn't remember any of those goals because they wouldn't score against you. Well, but, but you know, I think that with some teams, you know, the teams that score a lot at least, right, you can always remember at least one, one of their goals because they're always cool. Like, every team gets a banger at some point or another, right? But can you think of one from Cincinnati? I can think of one. It was their first ever goal against Seattle last year. Remember, it was like a half volley rocket. It was their first ever MLS goal. Ever since then, they haven't done anything in the last two years. Poor Cincinnati. At least they got a good result against Nashville, although I'm not very high on Nashville. Uh, Allowing the two goals unanswered, I think, is worrisome, given the fact that one of the goals was a very, very nice play by Lucho Acosta, who that chip over the keeper was disgusting. Uh, and then a penalty, you know, how many, how many of those are you going to get? Uh, so I think I'd still be very worried if I'm Cincinnati. I'd be even more worried if I were Nashville though, because you allowed two goals against Cincinnati. That is bad. Especially when you pride yourself on having the best defenders in MLS. So I'd be worried if I were Nashville based on this one result, which doesn't say anything, but I do just want to point out that Cincinnati got their, their two goal. Did you ask a question? Connor? No, I did not. I was confused because you were looking at your screen very weirdly. Yeah. It, there's been a little bit of connection issues. We're, we're, uh, we're cutting in and out a little bit, but it's all right. We're all good. I just wanted to point out there. I, I did. I did really watch this entire game and yeah, Cincinnati got those early goals, but once Nashville settled in, they dominated Cincinnati. This game should have ended 5-2. Like Nashville should have scored a few more goals. Cincinnati never sniffed the goal again after that penalty. So, yeah, they probably shouldn't have given up two goals, although one was a penalty. There's not much you can do about that. I can't remember what the call was, uh, but I don't remember taking any issue with it, so it must have been a good call. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, Lucho Acosta, like, he's got mo- moments of brilliance. We've seen it from him with D.C. So I just think, you know, Nashville was excited to be in front of fans for one because this game was in Nashville. And so I just think it took them a little while to settle in. And then once they did, they just destroyed Cincinnati. And really, they deserved to win the game. It just didn't end up happening. So you are not that high on Nashville. This just reaffirms my decision to have them in the playoffs. I feel extremely convinced by them. Drew, I guess you you have to be a Nashville fan now, at least a little bit, right? Now that you're going to have an internship with them, I guess so. Um, <laughs> but what do you do? You have anything to take away from this game? I mean, I think you also had Nashville in the playoffs. Either way, you, you're definitely higher up on them than Connor is, who's um, I think being dumb about that. But what do you what do you what do you think about this first game for them? Absolutely, yeah. I think from the Nashville perspective, I think I'm not too concerned about the Nashville defense because when you talk about Cincinnati this year, you have to talk about Brenner and Lucha Acosta, and that's who showed up for them. If it was Jurgen Lacadia or someone from the old Cincinnati breaking through the defense repetitively, then I think you could have a little more concern. But we know Lucha Acosta. We know how good he is. And then Brenner can burn the penalty kick. You spend a lot of money on him. He steps up. So I'm more convinced. I'm leaning out of this game. I'm leaning more toward the... Cincinnati is better than some people think they are versus the Nashville 
is not as good as people say they are. Like you said, it kind of felt like they would just live in Cincinnati's box, right around the box there toward the end, but they couldn't put it away, which cost them two points at home, home opener. I think Nashville's a better team than Cincinnati, but is Cincinnati for real now? That is the question. I I think that impressed me getting a 2-2 draw. Again, if you're Cincinnati, you got a 2-2 draw on the road against one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the league. You take that and run with it as fast as you can. So I'm excited about Cincinnati. I'm more convinced that Cincinnati is not as bad as people think they are versus Nashville. But again, two goals, eh. But Lucha, Costa, and Brenner, we're excited about them, understandably so. We know what they can do. So I, I'm this put more faith in Cincinnati for me. I'm more excited about Cincinnati. I want to watch them more. That stadium's open, right? Yeah, they actually just um, announced the name today. I think it's like TQ Stadium or something Some like that. Some corporate nonsense. Yeah, but so yes. I can't remember when the first game is. It's sometime soon, but yeah, that that's something that they have to look forward to as well this year. So the new stadium with a pretty decent team, I'm going to watch them. I'm excited about it. So yeah, I'm excited about Cincinnati. This game just made me more encouraged about them. But after we saw that draw, we saw two teams that I don't think any of us are pretty high on. I'm not sure if we had either of them making the playoffs, but it was a big game because of the David Beckham storyline on ABC, I think, Sunday afternoon, LA Galaxy at Miami. Galaxy won 3-2 to two after Miami took a 2-0 lead. I don't know if they took a 2-0 lead. They just had a lead at some point, and they blew it. The Galaxy come back and won 3-2. Chicharito scored 2 Higuain scored one, and I forgot who else scored. But LA Galaxy won 3-2 to coming back. I think the biggest storyline about this is Chicharito scoring two goals. Guys, did either of you catch the game? Your thoughts on it? Greg Vaney's first game in the Galaxy. Any thoughts on this game so far? I didn't catch the game because I was editing this podcast. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Thank you for the work that you do, yes, Connor. Uh, appreciate it. <laughs> I, I did leave it until that point, so I could have done it earlier, but eh, it is what it is. Um, I don't know how much... Like, I didn't see the game. Uh, I believe the two Chicharito goals were both, like, tap-ins, correct? Kind of. Pretty simple finishes. They weren't... He got in the box and got messy, and the ball fell to him. Good striker's yeah. goal. Yeah, that's his style. I guess, yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but it gets in the net. That's true, uh, but... I think the big takeaway from this is the fact that both of these backlines suck. Um, three to two is not a good soccer score line, if we're being completely honest. So uh, I'd be very worried if I were both teams. Um, Greg Vanny, somebody put in here, Greg Vanny at genius question mark. And you're <laughs> out of your mind, whoever put that in there. Uh, because it was true. I don't believe that. Uh, We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, Drew. Uh, you are... Wow. Um, so, I don't think the Greg Vanny a genius question mark is necessarily appropriate given the fact that he allowed two goals against Inner Miami. And how long will this last playing starting Victor Vasquez? That was an interesting choice. Very interesting choice. So we will see how Greg does. I hope he does well. Um, 
did a lot for my club, but I am, shall we say, not overly optimistic given the fact that, well, they're both two not very good teams and they both have defensive issues and they both allowed a lot of goals against each other. So, yeah. Did either of you actually watch this game and have any rational opinions on the game? Yeah, we. I know Drew and I. We had a little bit of back and forth in the in the Slack channel while this game was happening because it was crazy. Um, yeah, you know, I I don't think you know. There's a whole lot to take away from this. I will say that as a neutral, it was an extremely entertaining game. It was great to have this on ABC and on Sunday in a good slot. I mean, you have two of the most visible teams in the league facing off against each other, and lots of fans in the building. Um, Pretty much zero mask wearing, which kind of freaked me out a little bit, especially because the Miami supporter section was packed in really tight. It, I would have felt better if they were spread out, and they were not. Um, so that is that's Florida for you, I guess. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it was a very entertaining game. Again, I don't know how much you can take away from it. I think it was. Did either of you catch Chicharito's post game interview? I did not know. Well, I would highly encourage you, any listeners listening to this that didn't see it, to to seek that out. He was very, very open, very candid, very emotional uh, when talking to the ESPN crew at the end. Um, He mentioned the passing of his grandfather, just how much he struggled in the last year since getting to LA Galaxy, how hard he's worked to level up his game and to give back to the club because he, he, he has straight up said he feels like he owes a debt to the LA Galaxy fans. And so for this guy who is as accomplished as they come, right, he's played in Champions Leagues, he's played in World Cups, he is his national team's all-time leading scorer. Um, you know, for him to be so open and to come in and now score a brace, I think is, it was really cool. It was really cool to see such a human moment from such a superstar. Um, and honestly, I, I feel like I'm cheering for the guy now this year. I kind of, I kind of want him to, to run rampant in the league and score a bunch of goals. So I'm not, I'm not ready to say Greg Vanny is a genius or anything, but if you, if you get Chicharito scoring like this, um, then you're in good business and, you know, Sasha Kleshton as well. Um, as for Miami, I was not as impressed as other people were with them. They had some good moments for sure but I am still very skeptical of what Phil Neville can accomplish tactically with them. No question he knows how to get these guys going. Uh, We saw it with the English women's national team, um, and he himself has been very adamant. He's there to kickstart the culture and really get everyone pulling in the same direction, but I don't know how long that can hold up. MLS has evolved a lot, and just this year alone, even though it's been one weekend you have now seen a much more competent um, league tactically already. New teams coming in, old teams getting revamped, you name it. So I'm very interested in, in how he can hold up as the season progresses. Drew, you threw the Greg Vanny as a genius question in this. What do you have to say about that? Well, the reason I put Greg Vanny a genius question mark is because he played two forward. He played a forward alongside Chicharito with the two forward system, and then they started scoring goals. So, is he a genius? I don't know, but he did something, and it worked for their guy. So that was awesome. It's not really a hard formula. He didn't do anything crazy. He just added a forward, and Chicharito started scoring. But 
Shout out Greg Vanny. He got Chicharito scoring. And yeah, Josh, I'm pulling for the guy. I never thought I would say that because he plays for Mexico and he's such this Mexican figure. I thought I'd never pull for him. But seeing that interview is like, how can you not be so happy for this guy? And I think it's going to translate. I think this year will be a bounce back season for him. Um, I'm excited about that. Maybe a comeback player of the year. But yeah, I thought Miami looked pretty good in the first half. I'm not going to laugh. There were some moments where they generated some good chances and Higuain screw it up, didn't shoot. Uh, there was a good save, I think in the 30th minute, where Batuidi pressed the ball. It felt bizarro, and Pizarro passed it to Higuain, and he took a good shot, but the Galaxy keeper made a good save. So I was impressed with Miami on the first half. Uh, the second half, not so much. Maybe it was a pace thing, a fitness thing, but I was happy for him. And the I thought in the first half they were the Miami that we expected last season. I thought they were going to be pretty decent, and I thought this was going to be a good game. Obviously, they didn't keep up. Um Talking about Miami's two goals, I don't think either of those goals should have counted. I thought Higuain was offside, and that was not a penalty. But nonetheless, they got close, and MLS is wild. So I was impressed with Miami for a little bit. Um, I think it wore off in the second half. And the Galaxy, that was a solid performance. They played really well. Yeah, you mentioned Sajak Kleshin got that weird goal that won the game, and Chichiru got two. And we'll see if that keeps riding. Um, yeah, I'm impressed with my Miami. I'm interested. I'm really interested because the first half, I was really excited about them. And I thought Chicharito, I thought this was going to be another terrible year. I literally said in the Slack, Chicharito is terrible because he had some bad moments. He had a bad touch in the box early on. He had, I think Sebastian Legette was right there. Tried to make a pass to him in the box. It was a bad pass. Miami got it. The turnover in just that first half, it looked like this is going to be Chicharito 2020. 2.0 after he joined a team in the league that he straight up said he came here to retire this is not going to go well for him. Greg Vanny plays two forwards up top. He scores two goals. And if they get him rolling, this team could be a solid playoff team, maybe on the bubble. But I'm excited about it. Interested about Miami. Really excited about Chicharito, seeing where he can go from here. Because confidence, maybe now it's going to be a little more like the normal Chicharito we expected. Yeah, and speaking of Chicharito, you know, I don't know if you guys know this or those of you listening know this, but I mean, his family left him in the middle of, of everything going on last year. They went... Um, was it to Australia? I can't remember, but they left, and he was, like, on his own. So he had a really, really hard season. He was, like, dedicating his goals to his children and everything. So talking about pulling for the guy, that's another thing. Um, also about Miami that I think we need to just – I think I need to mention. If I were a Miami fan, I would be really concerned about the fitness of this team. And what I mean is you've got these older players, right – uh, between Higuain and Matuidi and the other Higuain um, and, um, well, Pizarro's not old, but you've got these older players, right? They looked like they were losing steam big time, and Neville only made one sub in the southern Miami heat in, like, the middle of the day. Either he's, and it's only April. Like, we're not even full peak summer yet. Like, imagine how it's going to be in August, right? So... I, I don't know if Neville's got to be really smart about his rotation or they need to just, you know, train a little harder and build up their fitness some more. But if I were a Miami fan, I would be a little concerned about that. Kind of in the back of my mind, that would be something kind of nagging at me a little bit. On the flip side of that, two players I thought were really encouraging for Miami, really young, Robbie Robinson and Lewis Morgan on the wings. Really exciting. I think Robbie was like the number one overall pick. 
yeah. or something in a super draft. He's, and I thought he played well. He's got a little chip on his shoulder because he is from the DK super draft. And, you know, they play the same position. So he ha- he himself, I think, has been open about saying, like, yeah, you know, I know I'm in the same. You know, I got to start producing. And so good for him to get a goal. And uh, Lewis Morgan was easily Miami's best player last year. So I'm expecting big things from him. Also, I think, Drew, you kind of briefly mentioned it, but Matuidi looked really good. He, it's like he heard everyone talking crap about him and his whole situation with Tam and DP and how he couldn't close down Dax McCarty in the playoffs last year. And uh, he looked a little more energized. So I'm looking forward to a, um, a jacked-up Blaze Matuidi. But, Drew, how about this last game of the weekend? As a, I'm, You've got all these teams to cheer for now in MLS, man. I know. It's terrible. Why do I do this to myself? And they're all terrible, too. <laughs> no, they're all great. Um, they're kidding. all great. Pot- future employers, they're all great. <laughs> Yes, but we're going to go to the Vancouver Whitecaps. First off, I don't know who the heck put this question in the dock. <laughs> the Vancouver Whitecaps beat the Portland Timbers 1 to nothing off of horrendous set-piece defending, probably the worst set-piece defending since Minnesota left Raul Ruiz wide freaking open in the playoffs. And Vancouver capitalized, won 1 to nothing in... They played in Salt Lake? They're definitely not in Canada. I think it was in Salt Lake. So Vancouver's home opener, a 1-0 win over Portland. Which is ironic because Real Salt Lake didn't play this weekend. They're, they were the odd man out, which I don't know if anybody really realized. <laughs> yeah, see, look, you guys didn't know. I didn't know until today. Someone mentioned Salt Lake not playing. It's been, it's been three days, guys, since the weekend ended, and nobody batted an eye about <laughs> Real Salt Lake. There's a reason for that, Josh. There's a game. reason for that. <laughs> I love oh, this league. I am. I know. I know. Speaking of, I don't think we mentioned this, but Bobby Wood got out of his contract already over in Germany, so he's like joining RSL like now instead of in the summer. So, if you're a Real Salt Lake fan, you've got two things to be excited about: opening weekend, a week later than everybody else, and Bobby Wood hopefully joining your team soon. But and then I we remind you about your ownership situation, and you become depressed again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Dwayne Wade, please save Real Salt Lake. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the idiot who put is Vancouver the best Cascadia team? Definitely, definitely a joke. Um, but look, I, I good for Vancouver. Like Lucas Cavallini dunked on the Timbers with that header. Um, like you said, Drew is pretty pretty brutal defending, but good good for the Whitecaps. Like like we've mentioned with all the Canadian teams, like they have it rougher than anybody else. You know, being away from home. Um, but, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about this. Okay, so first of all, Portland was tired from their CCL game, right? But Vancouver looked not tired. And that's important because they were playing at altitude at Rio Tinto. I wonder if that might be a little bit of an advantage for Vancouver this season before they get back to Canada. Because, you know, I, I'm sure Real Salt Lake also kind of has a little bit of an advantage when they've got these visiting teams, especially, you know, teams from the eastern side of the country. So I, I'm I'm really curious to see if that ends up being kind of a benefit to Vancouver, the fact that they've they've been training at altitude for weeks now, so it could it could definitely help them out. Connor, before we move on to our uh, our sort of our games of the week games to watch, players of the week, goals of the week, all that good stuff, some CCL stuff. You have any thoughts on this match? Just teams continue to prove my point that they're gonna be good. 
Um, you know, the only person who had Vancouver doing relatively well. So, you know, I'll, I'll be a pain for the entire year, and you'll have to listen to it because both of you were dumb, uh, and I'll get to listen to you <laughs> when I'm completely and uh, abhorrently wrong, which is the most likely outcome in all of this. Uh, but, hey, Vancouver getting a win over Portland, Cascadia rival, you take those every day of the week. And it's a good start for a team who still doesn't have a number 10, but will hopefully get one as they continue to be linked to tons of random players. But with that, unless anybody else has any opinions on this match, we will take a second ad break. This one won't be inserted, though. This will be Drew reading us an ad. Yes, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Food, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Food Lines Cacao Bliss. It's chocolate. It's good for you. It's healthy. Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods Line Cacao Bliss. Um, And they are sponsoring today's episode, giving our listeners an exclusive offer, uh, offering up to 15% when you use the code MINUTE15. Uh, when you use the code MINUTE15, you get up to 15% off of Earth Echo Food Lines Cacao Bliss at earthechofoods.com slash minute media. Again, that's earthechofoods.com slash minute media with the code MINUTE15. It's good, healthy chocolate. It doesn't get much better than that. So really encourage you guys to check that out while you can and take advantage of this killer offer. So before we enjoy our healthy chocolate tonight, boys, as we hang out after the podcast episode, we got some MLS games coming up this weekend. Uh, as we get pre, we wrap up last week and get ready for the next week, we're going to start with our MLS games to watch. I'm going to go first because I took it before you guys got here. I got the obvious pick, LAFC Seattle Saturday night. I assume it's on national TV. I hope it's on national TV. These are two of the best teams in the West. Nobody is doubting Seattle. Um, LAFC, we'll see what they do against not Austin. I'm excited about it. Two big names, potential playoff matchup. So I'm pumped about it. I don't know if it's in Seattle or Los Angeles. We'll find out. We'll see what happens. But my game to watch is LAFC in Seattle. It's uh, That game is in Los Angeles. So lucky them. Are they playing, are they playing at Bank of... California Stadium because isn't Seattle's not playing in Century Link, are they? No, it's called Lumen Field now. Remember? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Wow, bummer. All right, but yeah, I got LAFC Seattle is my game of the week. Connor, what game are you keeping your eye on? This well, weekend? Josh took mine, uh, so I switched mine up to Philly versus Inter Miami to see whether or not Inter Miami are actually legit or whether or not the fa- the fact that it was a close game between. Inter Miami and LA Galaxy signals that they're both terrible, or the fact that they're both going to be competitive this season. So I think a lot's riding on this match, and Philadelphia Philly will be coming off of. Uh, actually, they won't be. They'll be preparing for their second Champions League leg. So we'll see how they do on rest on a week's rest. But jo- yeah, Josh, what what thief uh, of a game do you have? I went with the uh, Nashville-Montreal game. Uh, that is, uh, I don't even know what, I, I want to say it's 8 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. I don't even remember. I know it's in Nashville. But, yeah, I kind of like what Connor just said between uh, Philadelphia and Inter-Miami, wanting to see who's legit and who's not. That's 
how I'm feeling about Nashville and Montreal. Um, like we mentioned earlier, Montreal's coming off a huge win over rival. Nashville is coming off a draw that should have been a win. And so I am really excited to see what these two teams will do against each other. Um, and sorry, that game is at 2 on Saturday. So I think I'll be able to watch that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I'm just excited. I want to see who's legit, who's not between Nashville and Montreal. I think it could be a very exciting game. I think these two teams' styles also lend themselves to what could be an interesting, um, fun match to watch. But moving on to our Player of the Week. All right, so I'll go first. I voted in the Player of the Week um, Vote, I guess you call it, whenever. I picked Chicharito first, and then I had Christian Roldan second. I did not get to pick Chicharito for tonight. Someone someone else got that pick before me. But <laughs> I went with Christian Roldan. Um, um, in fact, most of the voting from the media, it was Chicharito first, then Raul Ruiz second. And I thought Roldan, Roldan was a much more important player for Seattle. The fact that he basically filled in for Nico Ladero and played the way he did is huge, right? Because Ladero's been the lifeblood of Seattle ever since he got into the league and with the Sounders. So for Roldan to step up in the way that he did, I was really, really impressed. Connor, who's your player of the week? Mr. Going to switch it up at the literal last second possible? Yeah, I decided to switch it up last second uh, for good reason. <laughs> Uh, I initially had Raul Ruiz Diaz because he scored two goals, but they were both sort of tap-ins, and they were pretty easy finishes for him. So instead, I went with Freddie Montero. Uh, goal and an assist coming on as a substitute. Uh, the assist... Well, actually, I don't think he got the assist on that goal. It was a hockey assist. Uh, but goal and the hockey assist. So I was really impressed by him. I thought he looked really good in the role that uh, Schmetzer had him in. And yeah, I don't have much more to add to that the guy scored a goal and got an assist as a substitute normally that's player of the week caliber uh performance so yeah uh drew tell us your obvious name <laughs> chicharito i was the guy who stole josh's pick no but yeah chicharito got two goals happy for him excited to see what he does so i put him as my player of the week I'm excited to see what next week. I have no idea who the Galaxy play, but I'm excited to see if Chicharito keeps it going with two goals. Although he scored two goals, none of them were any of the bangers that we saw this week because, holy cow, we saw a lot of phenomenal goals of the week candidates. I don't know if they've announced the goal of the week. I don't think I've seen anything yet. I don't think I have either. They got a hard... That's going to be a hard thing to vote on because there are a lot of bangers... But we'll talk about three of them. Josh, who scored your goal of the week? What game was it in? Who was it against? All that fun jazz. So funny story about this one. I picked uh, Randall Leal's cross that turned into a goal. Um, he, You guys should go check that out if, if you haven't seen it, listeners. But I was watching this game in my room on Saturday night, and Leal scored. Incredible goal. I yelled and cussed. Just so happened to be at the same time that one of my roommates dropped something in the hallway. And so the rest of my roommates came upstairs to investigate. They were very concerned. They thought I had broken something or fallen down and was hurt. Um, and so all of a sudden, three of my roommates are in my room with me. And I'm like, they're like, are you okay, man? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, look at this awesome goal. <laughs> so we all gathered around and watched Randall Leal's fantastic 
schross of a goal. But yeah, that was my goal of the week. I was very excited to pick that um, for tonight's episode. Connor. Why yes. do we call it schrosses and why don't we call them gross? Gross? Well, I mean, schross, you know, shot and cross. Goal and cross. You could call them. Yeah, or you could call them crolls. Cross and goal. Kroll? Yeah. I feel like putting goal in that front of cross. That sounds like a creature that you <laughs> that's under your bed at night. Don't Gross let the, don't let the crow get you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think Schross sounds the best out of all those gross options. Um, but I think you gotta you gotta keep the cross in front of the goal, you know, because that's what comes first. But anyway, Connor, tell us about your your goal of the week. Pretty obvious one here. Yeah, uh, I was initially again gonna go with the. Raul Rui Diaz goal assisted by Freddy Montero, but I decided to switch it up to the better goal, which was Zhao Paulo scoring an unreal uh, volley, which he kept that in the air. It didn't even touch the ground before he hit it. Like, it was so nice. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why neither of you picked Zhao Paulo, uh, that goal, but. You know, here we are. So, Drew, what is your goal of the week before we move on to our CCL predictions? Yes, I went with Brendan Hines Ike's goal against NYCFC. I totally forgot who assisted him, but it was outside the box. Someone passed it perfectly weighted ball that was just right in his path. One touched it. It was that goal you always try to do on FIFA, but because the ball is rolling, you always kick it 15 rows into the stands. But he somehow kept it low but not too low. It was on a line, line drive to the back of the net. So that was awesome. DC United goal against NYCFC. So I picked that one. But again, a lot of bangers from this past week. And hopefully we'll see some more bangers in the coming weeks with CONCACAF Champions League as Major League Soccer teams, for the most part, play Liga MX teams. So we have one all MLS matchup with Elaine United playing the Philadelphia Union. Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, the 27th. I thought it was yesterday. Super bummed out to find that it was not yesterday. I had my burgers all ready to go. I said, crap, it's next week. But I won't do that this upcoming week because Tuesday, CONCACAF Champions League, Atlanta United, Philadelphia Union. Josh, none of us are optimistic about this game in our favor, understandably so. But who do you have winning in leg one in Mercedes-Benz? Yeah, I, I'm extremely excited about this game. I am uh, planning on attending in person, so that is exciting in and of itself. But, uh, yeah, I've got Philadelphia winning 3-1. I just, they are, they're so much more organized than Atlanta. Atlanta's still trying to figure things out under Heinze, so uh, that's what I got. Connor, what do you got for this game? I am going 2 to nothing Philadelphia because I don't think Atlanta United are very good, and I think Philadelphia are better. Uh, but actually I'm interested. When do both these teams play on the weekend? Um, Atlanta United plays, uh, Saturday night at eight. And then I'm not sure about Philadelphia. There's no way Philadelphia is playing on Sunday. That would be Saturday night at eight for both teams. All right, there you go. All right. So if, it, if Philadelphia were playing on Sunday, I might've changed my answer up, but I'm not going to. Instead, I will say two, nothing Philadelphia. I am following along the same line of thought. I'm going to say one to nothing Philadelphia because I kind of have some optimism about Atlanta United's defense because they have not allowed a goal this season. Again, against two Alabahense in Orlando City, keeping the, all three of those games with shutouts. So I think the shutout streak will be broken, but I don't think Philadelphia will find the back of that multiple times. 
but I'm going with a one nothing Philadelphia win. Going from one of our favorite clubs to the other, Toronto FC playing Cruz Azul. They pull out a miracle against Lyon. They have another really hard test against them Tuesday at 10 p.m. It's a late night. We're going to be up sipping on some tea, watching Toronto FC. In my idea, lose 2 nothing to Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul is incredible. They just smacked a Haitian team 8 nothing. I have them winning 2 nothing. Josh, who do you have going through? Is this one in Toronto or well, by in Toronto? Yes, it's in, in Florida. Orlando. Orlando. So or, Toronto's I guess at home. ESPN wild, wide world of sports <sighs> complex because Orlando's pitch wasn't uh, able to accommodate Toronto FC due to the lines being retaining walls being too close to the field, which would have been nice to know ahead of time, uh, except unfortunately Orlando suck and don't end ever end up in Champions League. So there's that. But Josh, what is your prediction? I am going to pick Cruz Azul to win as well. However, I do think Toronto will be able to get a goal. So I, I do think they will be traveling to Cruz Azul the following week with a goal uh, to help Lessen the blow, I guess, a little bit, but Cruz Azul, I still think, uh, gets two away goals. So I've got Cruz Azul winning that 2-1. Connor, you're, you're keeping your CCL optimism through into the second round. It's incredible. What do you got? <laughs> I will always back the MLS club, so I'm going 3-1 TFC. I think Jacob Schaffelberg is due one, uh, and he eventually scores because he's had a lot of chances so far this season, and he's going to get one of them eventually. Uh, Toronto FC will be healthier. Uh, Jonathan Osorio was potentially going to be eligible for this weekend, but he'd been suspended due to actions in the Nashville playoff game. So he wasn't able to play. Having him back will be a big boost. Uh, I think potentially, if we're being really optimistic, maybe Josie is back. Even more optimistic, but I highly doubt this happens. Maybe Pozuelo, but we haven't heard anything on that front. So... I think Toronto FC, as they continue to get healthier, will continue to get better. So I think 3-1 TFC will win against Cruz Azul at home. What are your predictions for our next match, which is Columbus Crew versus Monterey, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. My prediction, we will save to last because it is the best prediction and most accurate. And we will start with the most boring one, which is Josh. <laughs> Great introduction for me. Um, I've got <laughs> I've got a one-one draw. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty even game. Columbus obviously has tons of talent. Monterey, we know, you know, their Liga Max side, um, and so I just think I think Columbus will be able to hang with them long enough to to get a one-one. But I, I envision it being kind of a, a scrappy game between these teams. Drew, what's your prediction for the Columbus Monterey game on Wednesday? I think these are both two really good teams. And because of that, I'm going with a 2-2 two to two draw. I have enough faith in Columbus to not lose this game, but I don't have enough faith in Columbus to win this game. Both really good teams, really hard draw, I think. It's a shame that these two good of a teams are playing this early on, but that's the way tournaments go. Uh, yeah, I have a 2-2 two, two Columbus draw. I just feel like that has to be said, given some of the dialogue we've had on tournaments in American soccer. Um, yeah, Columbus, 2-2 two, two draw. Connor, you're optimistic. What do you got for us? I am going three to nothing Columbus win. Ridiculous. Uh, you are underestimating the Columbus crew. They're disgustingly good. 
and I don't think any team in this tournament matches up against them, personally. Uh, I hope Toronto FC does in the next round if they make it through, but realistically, Columbus are another completely different beast in this tournament, and I think both of you are underestimating the Columbus crew and their capabilities against, albeit a good Mexican team, a team that is definitely beatable. Let's finish off with the Portland Timbers versus Club America, Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. I'm regretting my Atlanta-Philadelphia pick because I would have liked to have now made it 3-0 so that in every game I predict one team will get three goals um, because I did that. Uh, because in this game, I have Portland winning 3-1 to over Club America. We will go with Drew. Your answer is, again, boring. So what is your prediction for the Portland Timbers versus Club America? Can I change it? Because I don't trust Club America to be anyone anymore. Am I allowed to make a last-second change or have to stick with what I have? Go ahead. We'll be nice. <laughs> Says the guy Two who one... just changed his. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can. We get one change per episode. That's that's the rule. Um. Wait, oh, my I goodness. My... What did I change? You said you wanted to make the Philadelphia win 3 nothing instead of 2 Yes, it was a joke. I'm not changing it to 3 nothing. It's still 2 nothing. You changed your player of the week like at the last second. Yes, I did do that. I'll give you that. <laughs> so we get a change. We're good. We're good. Uh, oh, man. Do I want to be a copycat and take John? 2-0 Portland. I'm going to say 2-0 Portland. 2-0? You don't think Club America's going to score at all? I, I, I said 2-2. <laughs> but again, I, Club America's just not the Club America I think people think they are. Portland's Dude, good. you're going to regret it when that ends up being the score. 2-0 Portland. That's where I'm going to go. I, it's going to end up 2-2, two two and I'm going <laughs> to vomit my toilet because I'll feel terrible. But I'm going to say 2-0 Portland because I don't want to copy Josh's 2-1 and three goals I think is too optimistic. So I'm going to say 2-0 Portland. Yeah, like Drew said, 2-1 Portland for me. I think, um, I don't know. You know what? Um, I'm not feeling great about that. I, I'm not <laughs> you get one change per episode, Josh. <laughs> okay, fine. 2-1 Club America win. All right, so this is the last episode of Josh on the podcast. (laughs) I hope you'll enjoy it. We're looking for a third podcast or send in your resume. I picked an MLS team to win. Come on. The one time where MLS team had to win. (laughs) (laughs) Not important. (laughs) Again, we're looking for a third podcaster. Email your resume. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, that's that's the end of this episode. We've been going for a while now. No, it isn't. We still got one thing left. The thing that you hate for some reason. Oh, yeah, I figured Drew would take care of that after I said, Drew, take us out. I will not let Drew have this. This is my (laughs) thing because I'm the best at fantasy on this podcast. Okay, fine. I will hold that over all of you. But uh, as this webpage reloads, unless one of you have it pulled up. um, You know I don't. Drew, take it. Yes, Connor is leading the fantasy league with 75 points. He is in third. Oh, yeah. Josh is in 10th. With 65 points, and I'm in with uh, <laughs> points. So, just gonna let you guys know about how the uh, fantasy thing is going on. So, Connor is leading it. I haven't looked at his team. I should probably look at it right now. Um, you have Raul Diaz as captain and Gustavo Bowman. That's who's leading the charge for you. There you go. Out of boy. So, Connor's leading the our I had, podcast. I had Vela as captain. So, thanks a lot, Bob Bradley. Yikes. <laughs> Connor, you have Vela on your team as well. But not I captain. did have Vela. Yes, I Not did. as captain, yes. Uh, I don't have him for this week, actually. So a little insight into my new team this week. Because you're allowed to make unlimited transfers uh, and changes to your roster. So 
That's my team. Uh, big old shout out to Henderson, who's currently leading the league with 79 points, and Ivan Ornelas, who's sitting at second, uh, just a- above me with 77. And then we got a tie for thir- for fourth with M, who I'm not sure who that is. Apologies if that's you. Let me know. Uh, and older goaler, who's sitting at fifth, fellow Toronto FC guy. So shout out you. Uh, but. Yeah, we got 16 people in the league. Um, And if anybody else wants to join, please do. It'll be linked in the description of this podcast again. uh, I'll throw that there. So please join it. We want as many people in as possible to try to build this community uh, that we will hopefully make big and great and fun. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, without further ado, do any of you have anything you want to add fantasy-wise or podcast-wise before... We take it out, and I give my voice a break. Lindsey Horan scored a banger tonight of a free kick for the Portland Thorns. Go check it out. All right, there's our NWSL news for the podcast. Way, 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 way too late. Uh, but Drew, take us out so I can relax and give my throat a much-needed break. Yes, thank you guys so much, as always for giving us a listen. We really do appreciate it. Um, and again, please visit the website at MLSMultiplex.com to check out some really awesome written content by the three of us as well as other written contributors on the website and visit the website on social media at MLS Multiplex as you can find stories on the social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, Connor at CWG Somerville, and myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. Um, so please give that a listen. And as always, really want to re-promote and encourage you guys to go listen to our Nkosi Tafara interview. Um, he's an awesome guy. I talked to him about really a lot of awesome subjects, right? The BBC, MLS, and just him in general. So again, shout out Nkosi for joining us and really encourage you guys to go give that a listen. And as always, we will be back next week recapping Major League Soccer Week 2, CONCACAF Champions League, and looking ahead to more in the soccer world. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.